there, folks. Welcome back to Two Droids and a Mic. We got your stars here with us, CJ Klein and John Volker. We also got our guest Ian Collins today here to talk about The Force Awakens. Yeah, good to be here, CJ, and uh, happy to have our guest on here, Ian. Thanks for hosting me, guys. It'll be fun. Great way to talk about the series. Open up here on our second episode. Opening thoughts on The Force Awakens. When the movie came out, it's been roughly, what, 10 years since our last Star Wars movie came out? About that, yeah. About that. And what were your guys' thoughts on Disney buying Lucasfilms and kind of taking on that mantle of Star Wars? You know, it was uh, it was pretty big. It was pretty big for me, absolutely. Uh, you know, the most recent Star Wars film at that time had been Revenge of the Sith in 2005. I remember going and seeing that in theaters with my buddies. Uh, for a birthday party when I think I was just about 10. So this was a huge moment for me, you know, going back to the theaters and seeing another film. It was just absolutely a magical experience. Whether it lived up to expectations um, or not, I guess, you know, we'll talk about that. We'll get a little bit in depth. But, uh, you know, I thought it was a great film overall. And it was it was a really great experience seeing, you know, Star Wars in the big screen again. Ian, were you at the midnight showing I of was. The Force Awakens? I actually went by myself uh, on premiere night. It was... It was something else, but I had to go see it. I guess kind of my thoughts on Disney overtaking Lucasfilms was, at first I was a little bit skeptical, because George Lucas, he's just kind of the mastermind of the whole deal, and Disney, kind of the rap that I get from it is more, you know, animation, musical films. So it was a little tough to swallow at first, but overall, I mean, Disney is one big company, and you know they can do a lot of magic with what they got. What do you think guys think about the title The Force Awakens? So obviously there's been a whole lot of speculation when it comes to what this might mean and you know the awakening of the force and you know Star Wars is back in a big way so um, you know big title everyone's everyone's thinking big things about it. I think it could possibly mean the beginning of a new force sensitive element in the series like maybe Rey back when it released, there was a little speculation of whether Finn was going to become Force-sensitive or not. Now, after having seen The Last Jedi, we know that that's more than likely out of the question, but I think it's definitely possible that that was, you know, the title was based around Rey being this new Force-sensitive character that we saw within the film using uh, Force abilities on her first time on the screen. You know, uh, duping stormtroopers on Starkiller Base to get out of a tricky situation. It's, it's good stuff. Duping James Bond, yeah. to be specific. Yeah. <laughs> Daniel Craig was the star, the stormtrooper that Ray used her force abilities for the first time on. Yeah, I remember reading that and just being in absolute disbelief. Like, come on, these guys are just messing with us. I actually didn't even know that he was that stormtrooper. You serious? Yeah. Oh, wow. there's, there's some famous cameos in the Star Wars series as uh, you know stormtroopers, never never showing their faces. Let's go to the beginning act of the Force Awakens. The movie opens up with a little camp set up on a planet, uh, and we are introduced to our first character, Poe, who is talking to an old man about plans to find Luke Skywalker. CJ, what are your thoughts on this scene and you know just the way the movie opened up, the emotions you felt? So obviously suspense. Um, a lot of high expectations going into the film were thrown right into action more or less you know it's kind of uh kind of gives you that new hope feel where uh you know we're, we're immediately met with stormtroopers and heavy fire thought it was engaging i thought it was awesome 
meeting Poe and seeing that a really tense conversation right before you know that that battle scene more or less or I guess you could say slaughtering of that you know that small village um, the one thing that really eats at me and I know I, I've talked to some of my close friends about Poe's cheesy line when he's first encountered by Kylo Ren you know he doesn't seem very concerned at all with his you know oh who talks do I talk do you talk he seems a little overconfident um, that's my, that's the only negative thing I really have to say about that scene couple iconic parts you know we see blood on a stormtrooper's face that's the first time that we've really seen blood symbolism in star wars minus a couple lost limbs throughout the series and even then you know we don't see a whole lot of blood so you know i thought it was a pretty great way to start off the uh you know the first part of a new series well with uh, going back to your comments on poe and kylo ren's first reaction we really get to see disney's input right away with the humor. I feel like in Phantom Menace through the Revenge of the Sith, uh, we didn't see a ton of humor. We saw a attempt to do humor, but not really landing. Really with characters in this movie, I felt like the humor hit. Um, BB-8 was a big part of that, but also Poe and Finn, just a lot of good humor all around. Ian, uh, what were your thoughts on this scene? I mean, it, yeah, I, I guess I would agree to all of what you guys said um especially with adding in kind of like the satirical humor a whole lot in the older movies um, except for attempts but the one thing that kind of draws me towards that is like the charismatic droid that we all know is r2d2 kind of e either like excitement or disappointment um in the older movies and yeah i mean i don't really have too much to add on to that Another thing that was different about this Star Wars than any other Star Wars was that stormtroopers were given personalities for the first time. We saw Finn, who was kind of resilient and didn't agree with what the stormtroopers were doing, and purposely did not fire on the citizens of the village. And that kind of opened up the idea that stormtroopers were humans too. Um, they were no longer clones programmed to do the bidding of whoever created them. We also saw that in Captain Phasma, who was the shiny new silver stormtrooper that, when it comes down to it, was really created to sell toys, but, you know, she was cool to look at, and she had a personality. She had, she was a female, which was a different take on a stormtrooper, and it was, a, it was an interesting way to reintroduce the famous stormtrooper. Yeah, I definitely agree with you on Phasma there. I thought it was kind of just a uh, another unnecessary villain. <laughs> I mean, at the end of the day, I mean, that might be a, a, an overgeneralized statement. I think a uh, couple corny one-liners, you know, within the uh, confines of a spaceship to Finn doesn't exactly grant her notable character status. You know, she seemed pretty insignificant throughout the series. Minor calls being made, only small standoffs with major characters. Um, I think she was just kind of another bit of drama that was not necessarily necessary to the series. Still added to it, though. Can't complain in that sense. Moving on to... When we are introduced to Rey as a character, we see her scavenging in an old Star Destroyer from the Empire. Ian, what were your first impressions of Rey as a character? Honestly, I didn't really know what to think of her. Going back, dating it, you want to connect it kind of towards Luke a little bit, but in some aspects, you kind of just see her as, you know, an original person, not with a whole lot of characteristics. But then you look back at Luke, and he was that exact exact same person just you know an orphan kid adopted by his aunt and uncle living on Tatooine all that kind of stuff so I mean in overall it kind of makes sense and I don't know she kind of fits the 
the whole storyline of, you know, what has been made in the past. Well, one interesting thing I noticed from The Force Awakens was Rey having a little doll that could have easily been Luke Skywalker. She mentions later in the film how she thought that Luke was a myth, that the Jedi were not real, and I thought that that was J.J. Abrams' attempt there at dissociating the characters of Luke and Rey in that, in that moment. To kind of build a climax for that when they eventually meet? Is that what you're kind of thinking? Yeah, that's what I'm kind of thinking. I'm, I'm thinking ahead a little bit to when Rey meets Han Solo. Okay. Um, and when uh, Finn mentions to Han that they have plans to find Luke Skywalker, which brings back memories of Han's, who then explains to Rey and Finn that the Jedi are real, the Force is real, and that Luke was a real person in real life. Yeah, I feel like Han was definitely a driving force in that sense, you know, when he met up with Rey, he kind of gave her that sense of reassurement that she needed before going on this adventure, you know, kind of reaffirmed her quest, you know, she didn't want to leave her home planet, you know, she was always hopeful that uh, her parents or her keepers would eventually return. Throughout the, throughout the movie, she always knows, you know, I gotta get back to my home planet, I gotta get back, I gotta get back. They could be waiting for me, and I should be waiting for them. But uh, reaffirming that belief, I think, Han Solo in her by telling her, oh yeah, that, I, that's no story, kid, I lived it. That was a huge moment, because Rey knew that despite leaving, you know, in a hurry and, you know, in an odd turn of events with a, a bad TIE fighter, you know, there and having to jump in the Falcon, it, you know, it, it kind of gave her a boost in, in, in letting her know it was worth something. It wasn't, it wasn't for nothing. And having Han Solo and Rey now interacting, it puts the comparison in my mind of the younger Star Wars fans and the older Star Wars fans kind of coming together. And basically, for some kids, The Force Awakens is the first Star Wars they've ever seen. And they don't know the story of Luke Skywalker and Han Solo. And basically, they're introduced to Rey, Finn, and Poe, just like we were as kids introduced to Han, Luke, and Leia. And now you kind of see those elements combining and the old giving in to the new, which was very much the goal of this movie, passing the torch on to the younger characters. Kylo Ren, as a villain in this movie, for me, my first time seeing it didn't work. The more times I saw it, the more differences and the more new things I noticed about him. Obviously, at first you want to compare him to Darth Vader because he's got the mask. But how could you really at the end? I mean, you're right, you you can't. The only connection they have is that he's Kylo Ren's grandfather mm. and that they have that same bloodline and that Kylo Ren is trying to please Darth Vader and trying to live in his memory um, by wearing the mask. And there's one scene in the movie where he is talking to Darth Vader's helmet, telling him that he's going to finish what Darth Vader started, obviously not knowing that Darth Vader turned good at the last second. Yeah, um, my first impression of Kylo Ren, um, I was I was pretty disappointed. I think um, as a whole, it was exciting seeing a new villain, but uh, I was not expecting this kind of turnout. Um, he seemed to complain a lot throughout the film. Um, I felt like he was just kind of trying too hard to walk in his grandfather's footsteps. It seemed like he was just kind of that try-hard character that uh, really wasn't going to win over my heart at the end of the series. You know, Darth Vader was such an iconic villain for me. It was really one of my favorite, you know, parts of the entire series. You know, this uh, walk of life that Vader takes over the, you know, 
know, the entire franchise. It's incredible. So seeing him immediately retreat back to Vader's teachings within the first, you know, what was it, 15, 20 minutes of the film, it was uh, not refreshing, to say the least. But still, uh, I was reaffirmed with The Last Jedi. That's a conversation for another day. But my first impression of Kylo Ren was pretty negative. Well, even to the point where he's using the same lines that Vader used in the originals. One in particular when he was talking to General Hux was, I'll leave that to you. Mm -hmm. And I remember when I heard that the first time thinking, all right, well, that's exactly what Darth Vader said. There's no new ideas coming up. This character is not new at all. It's not unique at all. But then, as you mentioned, you, you hear him whining all the time and kind of acting like a kid that's spoiled, that wants to be like Vader. And at the end of the day, that's what separates him from Vader. Vader is much more polished when he turned to the dark side as Kylo Ren was. Kylo Ren is still a kid, whereas Anakin was younger, but he had been more involved in his life. Practically a Jedi Master at that point. I mean, one could argue. Obviously, he might. Well, in the old movies, even Obi-Wan kind of admitted openly that he was basically one. It was just kind of up to the council if he was going to be a master or not. He was above all the others, and they knew that. Oh, yeah. yeah. Well, the council had never had a Jedi Master at his age. Yeah. And that was the thing that scared him, was that he had not matured and that he would make some sort of decision that would compromise the council. Yeah. So with kind of what you're saying, just years of experience on your belt would kind of help his resume. Well, and offering him a seat on the council, but just not granting him the Master status alone showed how much potential he really had, you know, in the eyes of all the uh, the masters. Yeah, and another thing I really liked about this first act was the chemistry between the characters. The actors did a really good job of making it feel very genuine. That scene that comes to mind when Finn is helping Poe break out of the Star Destroyer when they steal the TIE Fighter. You have Finn walking Poe down the uh, hangar there telling him keep it together, stay calm, and uh, Poe telling him, I'm fine, and Finn saying, I'm talking to myself. Yeah, yeah. that was a great scene. It's just yeah. like little scenes like that where they're not like trying super hard, like the prequels, in my opinion, to force these characters to like each other, but it's just coming natural, and, and that is shown too with Rey when she meets uh, Finn, and that's really one of the strengths of the movie, in my opinion. Do you guys think that's part of Disney's doing rather than like Lucasfilms? Probably Disney has a better you know, hand on that, right? As much as I hate to say it, I think a little bit. I think so, just because you look at the original trilogy and you, you see the way that Han Solo immediately greets, you know, Ben Kenobi and Luke Skywalker and it's this kind of, you know, screw you, what do you owe me kind of, you know, attitude. Mm -hmm. And then you see the way that just so willingly, you know, Poe and um, Finn get along. And I understand that they're in a completely different circumstance here. You know, obviously they're there are two parties that desperately need the help of one another. But, I mean, it's, it's kind of a similar concept. You know, Han Solo is looking for money from Ben Kenobi and Luke Skywalker. Luke Skywalker and Ben Kenobi were looking for passage from Han Solo in a dangerous time. They each needed some, something from the other party, similar to how Finn Poe, you know, Finn needed a pilot. Poe needed an escape. And, uh, you know... I feel like it was a, a, definitely a different kind of mantra there, you know. Uh, so I think Disney definitely might have had a hand in these early connections in the series, you know, forcing these, 
you know, oh, I'll be your friend if you'll be my friend. The, the good nature was in people. And, Ian, going off your point, George Lucas, while he was a good storyteller, he wasn't very good at writing scripts. And his dialogue in his movie have been picked apart and criticized for years. And you have a guy that comes in named J.J. Abrams, who's known for making great movies. And that humor helps with it a lot, but also the words that are said. Words are so important in a movie. If a movie has too many words, then it can be criticized. If a movie doesn't have enough words, it can be criticized. So just the dialogue between the characters is what really shows up in the chemistry. And that's a big, that's a big part of it. So moving on to the second act now, Rey meeting up with Han Solo. They need to escape uh, the Raftars. And I guess we can quickly touch on that scene. What did you guys think of Han Solo interacting with the two different groups who both uh, have Han Solo owing him money and basically the Raftars getting loose and pretty much all the extras that were in that scene getting eaten by the Raftars besides Finn who was pulled for about two minutes straight and not harmed. <laughs> Okay, so I thought this was kind of classic Han Solo. You got two parties that are asking for money or asking for compensation from the smuggler that we have come to know and love. I mean, I think this is just the kind of situation that we should open up with with Han Solo 10 years later. You know, it, I thought this was awesome. I thought the violence in the scene was great. It was a great action-packed scene um, where you're suspenseful, you know, you're on the edge of your seat, hoping that, you know, your heroes survive. Obviously, you know that they're gonna get out of this tricky situation, but hopefully without the loss of a droid or, you know, something special. At the end, you know, Han Solo and the gang manages to escape with uh, just minor bumps and bruises. I thought it was pretty cool. I thought it was fun and lively. There's not a whole lot to complain about. I, I do understand the maybe continuity error there with uh, Finn being dragged for longer than all the other extras. You know, they're being eaten and consumed almost immediately. I do think it was a pretty cool part of the scene. Back to what I was saying about the second part or act of the movie. We have Han Solo giving passage again, just like he did in the original trilogy to Luke and Ben Kenobi, now giving it to Finn, Rey, and BB-8, taking them to Maz Kanata, who is going to help them get the BB-8 unit back to the Resistance. What do you guys think of this planet that they're on? And I guess we'll kind of open it up to any scenes that happened while they were there, any character interactions. What are your guys' thoughts on that? Uh, I mean, kind of the one scene that brings me back is like the first uh when they're trying to get off of Jakku um kind of Ray points out after the tarp gets laid off the Millennium Falcon um how she just calls it, calls it a piece of garbage and it just brings me back to the original movies about how Han gets defensive about how fast the Millennium Falcon can travel like so many parsecs I'm forgetting that amount but that's just kind of one scene that kind of sticks out to me I just thought it was funny a good comic re relief no, yeah, this was a great scene. Um, I loved seeing Han Solo hand over a blaster to Rey, you know, ask her how to shoot it, you know, if she knew how to shoot it and all that stuff. That was great. I felt like it was more or less kind of Han passing the torch. He mentions how he could use an extra person on his crew with Chewie. I mean, I feel like this was pretty iconic in the way that Han Solo was really reaching out to Rey for the first time since they had met. 
not necessarily trusting her completely, but but basically saying, you know, okay, I, re- I respect you. And, I mean, I, I haven't seen Han Solo offer anyone else a spot in his crew in a long time. So the fact that he reached out to her, that was pretty big. So I love seeing that. One of the things to me that stood out from this act of the movie was the lightsaber, Luke's lightsaber that was found in the chambers of Maz's castle. Um, we saw Rey hear voices of herself when she was a child, screaming to her parents while they were leaving her on Jakku. And once she touched the lightsaber, she got a force vision, basically, showing her the burning of the temple, showing her Kylo Ren killing the apprentices of Luke Skywalker and taking on his own apprentices with the Knights of Ren. And we finally saw Rey getting a glimpse into the future with her lightsaber battle with Kylo Ren. And that was kind of cool to see with another take on the Force. And throughout this movie, especially with Maz Katana, we saw different opinions on the Force and what it means to people. We saw Han Solo describe it. We saw Maz Kanata describe it. And we saw Finn's interpretation of it, along with Rey, who was figuring out how to use it. And this was a big development for her character, where she first kind of started to realize that she was Force-sensitive. Definitely. And I think that probably had a little bit of an impact, you know, later in the film when she's captured by the uh, First Order and strapped down. How she's able to, you know, more or less tap into those Force abilities, I think, uh, probably had a, a hand in that. She more or less realized that she was capable of something greater after those visions or uh, the epiphany after touching the lightsaber going back to what you initially said cj about how we were led to believe that finn might have been the jedi Mm -hmm. or that a force sensitive powers you get to see finn in action with the lightsaber fighting off stormtroopers and essentially failing and being saved at the last second by han solo using uh chewbacca's crossbow gun that he was very fond of throughout the movie Now, moving on to the third and final act of The Force Awakens, we have the big scene that everyone talked about, which is Kylo Ren versus his father, Han Solo. Han Solo seeing Kylo Ren on the bridge, calling him by his real name, which is Ben, and having him remove his helmet and having a face-to-face conversation with him. CJ, what stands out to you about this scene? Obviously, spoiler alert, the major death of Han Solo. I mean, that was a huge, huge moment. Um, I remember leaving the theater just shaking my head, talking to all my friends about how our one of our favorite characters from the original trilogy finally met his demise. Um, it was tasteful, it was unexpected, but we knew something big was going to happen in this film. You know, it had been 10 years since a, a Star Wars film. You know, there's, there's not a whole lot to say. Rest in peace, Han Solo. Going to be missed. And one thing that I noticed too about his death was how he kind of touched or caressed Kylo Ren's face as he was falling and then continued to fall into the light which differed from Darth Sidious's death where he was thrown into the abyss that was straight darkness and you could see the contrast between these two characters the good and the light Han Solo going into the light for his last moments and Darth Sidious going into the darkness. Chewbacca responded right away by firing a blaster at Kylo Ren, striking him in the side region, which did play a big part 
later on in the third act mm-hmm. um, with the lightsaber battles. So moving on to that, Ray and Finn basically fleeing the scene as Kylo Ren chases them down into the forest. One thing I liked about this was that we didn't see Kylo Ren do a force jump to catch up with them quickly as uh, as was shown in the prequels, which weren't ever really done in any Star Wars besides The Phantom Menace. And while they are cool and fun to see, that, that isn't really the force to me. And that's not really... It's just implied that a Jedi can move quicker than a human being. They don't necessarily need to show an outlandish jumping scene. Kylo Ren catches up to Finn and Rey. And basically Finn gets the first crack at Kylo and holds his own ground there for a little bit. As Kylo is beating his side trying to get his adrenaline flowing to stop the blood flow. Eventually, he overcomes Finn and slices him up pretty bad. Now is the big showdown between him and Rey. Yeah, big showdown between him and Rey. Kind of what the audience has been looking for this entire movie. We got our main protagonist versus our main antagonist. Um, That's more or less been established. Uh, I mean, I think this kind of also plays into the point that I was making earlier with Han Solo more or less passing off the torch to Rey. I think this... this uh, scene where she battles Kylo really kind of sets in the idea that Rey is going to be our main new Jedi going forward. She more than holds her own against Kylo, having never really held a lightsaber before. Even Finn had his go with the lightsaber before um, in the first battle outside of Maz's place, just briefly before he lost the lightsaber. And she... Did sorry to cut you off, CJ. She did show earlier in the movie though, some sort of fighting skills with that stick that she used. True, she which... does. She does show plenty of capabilities with the staff. That yeah, like you were saying, great point. Um, she has more than enough fighting capability. Um, definitely more than Finn would have being a uh, a trooper. But um, I think yeah, showing her her abilities to use the force on someone like. Uh, Kylo Ren, I mean, that's huge. He's been trained by Luke Skywalker. She's seen almost zero training whatsoever, and uh, she held her own. It was it was an awesome scene. Like you mentioned, this was a scene everyone was waiting for, and the lightsaber battle kind of started off with Kylo overpowering her, as many would expect, but then Rey remembering to channel her thoughts and to kind of tap into that same energy she used earlier when she tricked the stormtrooper into letting her go, which really focused her up and allowed her to beat Kylo Ren in the end. Final thoughts on the movie. We have, obviously we have the scene where Rey finds Luke on the island. It was, in my opinion, it was a good way to end the movie. Obviously it's a huge cliffhanger. We haven't seen Luke since, you know. The 80s. The 80s. Good way to put it. We haven't seen Luke since the 80s, and we're kind of wondering where his thought process is at, why he left everyone, why he's hiding, and oh, by the way, also there's his old lightsaber that he thought he lost when his arm was chopped off by his father. In my opinion, maybe Mark Hamill could have acted a little bit more shocked, but having seen The Last Jedi, knowing his kind of state of mind, he was so out of it that, you know, seeing that was just whatever for him. I guess kind of bringing that back to, you know, when Luke found Obi-Wan on Tatooine, kind of had the same exact expression on his face, like, oh, you found me, that's it, kind of really no expression at all. Didn't he know Obi, or he called him Ben Kenobi, 
I think he... Old Ben. Old Ben. He had heard of him. I didn't necessarily yeah. think that he was... He had a personal relationship with him. It was just kind of hearsay, like, oh, that old man Ben, he was, the crazy guy. He was like guy. a hermit. Yeah. You know, he was, he was a neighbor. The crazy guy, right? Yeah, the crazy yeah. hermit neighbor. So, CJ, overall, what are your thoughts on The Force Awakens? Obviously, we know from last week's episode, you didn't rate it as high on your list as mine. But overall, what were your closing thoughts? Honestly, I thought it was a great way to reintroduce the series after a decade. Um, I thought it had some great highlights, um, awesome use of the lightsaber. They didn't necessarily overdo it. We got to introduce some great new characters. Wasn't incredibly fond of the villains, but they completely retook me over in the coming film that we'll talk about later, episode 8. Honestly, I have good things to say about the film. It's simply not one of my favorites because I see now that this film was quite a bit of groundwork. It was laying, you know, kind of laying base for the film to come. At the end of the day, it, it's a great film and I, ha I enjoyed it quite a bit. Yeah, I, I guess I would kind of agree with that. A great reopener kind of towards the Star Wars saga. Really excited to, you know, see Mark Hamill, Luke Skywalker back in the films, especially growing up with all that. Great special effects. Otherwise, you know, kind of an okay movie. It was, for me, it was essentially a remake of episode four. And I understand that in some people's opinions, it was a remake of episode four. And that was my opinion too, seeing it the first time. However, I've seen it now multiple times, I think five or six times, and every time I see it, it becomes less and less a remake. I feel like the characters, while they might remind you of the old characters, that's what they're meant to do, but in the end of the day, they have their own personalities, they have their own agendas, and it sets up the Star Wars world as an endless world with endless characters and many more storylines to come. Alrighty, and I think that wraps up this session of Two Droids and a Mic. Remember to follow us on Twitter, CJ Klein at ChrisJames1458. Uh, we got John Volkert at JohnVolkert1 on Twitter. And we got Ian Collins, our guest today, at Eenie the Weenie. Alrighty. Once again, thank you for joining us here at Two Droids and a Mic. And remember, we are the droids you're looking for.